Um, just letting you kiddos that are 17 and under know that Bill Merman is not here today. So, Madison, will you be in charge of the, the candy? She likes to be the boss, so that's at home and everywhere else, so she's more than welcome to take care of that. Um, sing with me. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Let's pray. Father, praise and honor be to you. May your spirit comfort, empower, and glorify your holy name. In Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen. Have you ever been scammed? Yes. And you know it's not getting any better. I remember uh, the time that really sits in my mind that I got scammed is I was actually in Korea, and I, had, I was a missionary on an island, and I come back by myself on a boat. Now, I want to tell you, I made about $140 a month as a missionary, and that might seem, oh, well, in another country that might be worth something. Well, it would cost me one way about $45 just to ride the boat. And, um, and I had to, if I would ever come back on inland, I would have to save that money. I'd have to be really, really tight with it. So uh, the, my Korean partner had come inland before, and he said, well, all you have to do is just get on the subway. You just walk. You he gave me directions. They were not good. <laughs> well, there was a taxi cab driver who spoke some English. Oh, come with me. Come with me. It'll be very cheap. And I said, I only have this a little bit. of. Oh, yeah, that's enough. Come on. Come on. Come on. And uh, I, I said, okay. Eventually, he just grabbed my suitcase, put it in, and come on, let's go. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah that's enough. And and as I sat there, I saw the fare just going and going, and he was driving, and, you know, I, I saw the first about the equivalent of about $10 go, and I was like, oh, man, we've only gone like a couple miles, and, and then I saw the, when it got to 20, and then I saw it get to 30, and I was like, I said, you got to stop. He said, no, 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 I'll take you the whole way. I said, no, I can't pay you the whole way, and uh, he said, and and when I got off, I looked at the thing, and he said, he said, you owe me 50, the equivalent of $50. Uh, and I said, I said, I, I think it's, he said, no, 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 there's a different fee. And, and he, I was in a different country. I didn't know what I was doing. It was only my first month or two in the, Korea. So I felt I got to pay it. And I paid it to him. And I know he scammed me because I, I told my partner the, what had happened. And he's like, you got scammed. <laughs> I was like, thanks. Thanks for helping me. People are out to scam you. It is so sad. And, and you know what's sad is actually they're, they're preying on people that are 
helpless. They're, they're, they're preying on people that don't feel like they are empowered to know any better. You know that IRS scams are exploding. Now, as accountants, you know what's happening here. They are calling people and saying, you owe, and, and they're brilliant. They're giving specific numbers. You owe $2,436.78 to the government. And I am here to tell you that this is your final warning. And if you don't pay, I am calling the, we are getting the local authorities involved and a sheriff or whoever will come and pick you up. And people are falling for it. If they weren't falling for it, then it's not really a big scam, but people are falling for this. And so what they're doing is is the IRS is actually putting out via news and on their website, don't fall for it. I'm telling you, don't fall for it. If somebody is telling you to do that, I have seen where local authorities said we would not do that. So, and there is a process. And plus, you can appeal. But these are saying, no, you cannot appeal. But people are losing thousands and thousands of dollars over being bullied into a scam. And they feel helpless. This is what has happened to the Galatians. Galatians 3, verse 1, it says this, O you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the spirit of the works, uh, the spirit, did you receive the spirit by the works of the law? Or by believing what you heard, are you so foolish? After beginning by the means of the Spirit, are you trying now to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain if it really was in vain? So again, I ask, does God give you his Spirit and works of miracles among you by the works of the law? Does he do this, or is it by his spirit? Who has bewitched you? I want to just, for a second, tell you what bewitched means. He's, who has not just tricked you and deceived you, but the language implies who has cast a spell upon you? How many of you have ever seen in person somebody hypnotized? It's sort of crazy at times. You're like, are they really acting or is this real? This is sort of what this language implies. Who has hypnotized you so that you no longer have to think? Bark. Okay. You've seen that, right? The the hypnotist, you know, bark or, or, you know, when I wake you up, you know, you won't remember that you barked. He's saying, how come somebody has cast a spell so that you no longer think for yourself. You've been bullied into the scam, and you're soaking it up. And what is the scam? It says it right there. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law, 
or by believing what you heard. About in the context of Jesus Christ crucified. Did you catch that? And do you understand how we are similar? I know one of these days I'm just going to get stoned. Uh, not get stoned as in stoned. Uh, get stoned by rocks. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Been there, done that. All right. So, <laughs> yeah, that better not get to the conference. Um, we have this thing in Adventism. Justification, sanctification. And there's a lot of screwed up belief about justification, sanctification. Because we think you are justified because of the grace of Christ, right? The grace of God through the sacrifice of Christ, and I accept Jesus as I am. You know, most Adventists will, will agree with this. You accept Jesus as you are, and you are justified. But as you finish the race, it is a little bit more dependent on what you do. That is the sanctification process. Is God changing you through these deeds that you do? If you've never heard this before, then praise the Lord. But I know it's out there. And I've seen it a lot. But that text says... Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard about Jesus Christ? If you're justified, is it by the grace of Christ? Yes, that's not a question. If you are sanctified, meaning transformed, is it by your own effort? No. It's still the grace of Christ in the process that he wants to transform you. So guess what? The way he transforms me is on a different journey than how he transforms you. But a lot of times we don't leave room for God to do that because we expect somebody, even before they get in the tank, to be similar journey to where you are at according to the standard you have set. That's not good. Let's read on. This is going to be a little bit, we're going to read a lot. I, I, because I believe the context will tell you what Galatians is about. Consider Abraham, he believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who believe are children of Abraham. The scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you so that who have, who have faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So if you believe, you are part of the family. That's it. That's all I read there. You believe, you're part of the family. By the way, it quotes a time... When he says he believed and it was counted as righteousness, that was according to the promise he gave about Isaac. Now, remember we studied Abraham? He gave a promise, and you will, in a sense, live forever through your seeds. When he didn't believe this, he did the works, 
was when he said, I don't know if I quite believe what God promised, so I'm going to take Hagar, we have a kid, and we see the result of that. That is works. That's why it's brought up later. Now to Galatians 3, verse 10. For all who rely on the works of the, of the law are under a curse. As it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says the person who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole or on a tree. He redeemed us in order that the, the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. So again, how do you receive the Spirit? By faith. Not by your own deeds. If you look at where the context is, he does this in Romans, and he does it here when he throws in Abraham, and he says, Abraham did some bad stuff. You know this, right? Oh, he did. <laughs> he lied about Sarah. Well, it's Sarai at the time. And he didn't do it once. He does it twice. He does it a second time. And by the way, his son does it too. He's like, oh, I learned from dad. Let's do it again. He does it twice. And God says, you will still be the father of my nation. The father of covenant. Because you still are part of the promise. I will admit something. There have been one or two times where I have done something that's made Anna upset. It's probably more like twice than once. Now, how we deal with that is a different story. I have bruises all over, you know, I've cried many a tear. But the thing is, is just because I've offended her, intentionally or unintentionally, it's unintentional, it does not dissolve our covenant. Now, I understand it puts a lot more strain if there was infidelity or something like that. That could dissolve a, a covenant there. But just because I didn't pick up my underwear off the floor maybe once or twice, and she had to do it for me. She didn't have to do it for me. It doesn't dissolve the promise that we made to each other. This is what he's saying. There is a promise. There is a covenant. And it's not by what you do that you, that you have this covenant. Now, it does play into it, but it's not what you do that made the covenant. But I want to address something deeper. And Rob knows, we, Rob and I, you know, I've been here four months, and I think I've talked to Rob about the issue of salvation 
more than uh, I've talked to some of the kids that I dealt with for seven years at, at Arlington. And I think we have to discuss what Hebraically salvation means. Because we throw this word around, you are saved. I'm saved by grace. You're saved, saved, saved. And what are we saved from? Um, and what is salvation? In the Hebrew, the word is yasha. Hence the name Yeshua. Do you know who Yeshua is? Jesus. He's named salvation. Hosea is the, also part of, has the same root. Uh, actually, Jesus is Yeshua, which is the Aramaic from Yehoshua, which is Joshua. So it's all the same. It's all, it's all the same, and it all means salvation. But what it literally means is to rescue somebody who can do nothing for themselves. They are in quicksand, and the more that they try to work, the faster they sink. And he's saying, you need something from the outside. This is Yasha. Salvation is about setting somebody who is in bondage free. Can you say that? Bondage free. Salvation is about freedom. Do you feel free? Do you feel free? This is what I mean. Do you remember after the, after the exodus and the Red Sea splits? By the way, before the Red Sea, did they feel free when they're in front of the Red Sea? No. Remember? They said, it would be better that we died over there because they're coming to kill us. And luckily, God had split them a little bit, but they did not feel free until they saw the sea split. They walk across. Their, their slave owners go in, collapses upon that. There's a sigh, and Miriam says, let's dance. And so she gathers the women, and they dance in freedom. Because they knew, now we are free. That is what God wants for you. He wants you to dance in freedom. Now, I know that we are Adventists, so probably most of you have two left feet and don't know how to dance. But in a sense, he's saying, I want you to feel freedom that you have never felt before. This is what salvation is. I am free. And what are you free from? This curse. The curse is what is free. That's what it says several times in that last text. It says there's a curse, a curse, you know, and then curse is the one who's on the pole. Well, I just want to tell you, arar is the Hebrew word for curse. And that reference is, is to Deuteronomy 27 and 28. Now this word, the etymology is to bind, to hinder, to restrict. That's the word we translate as curse. So a lot of times we don't have a good idea of what curse means. You know, you curse, you either say a bad word, or curse means to, I don't, I don't even know how to explain it, to, to, to put a curse on somebody. 
But what this says is, if you're under a curse, you are bound. You are in bondage. And I want you to be free. Let's continue. Verse 15. Brothers, let me take an example from, from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or add to human covenant that has been duly established, so it is in this case. The promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. The scripture does not say to and to seeds, meaning many people, but and to your seed, meaning one person, who is Christ. What I mean is this. The law introduced 430 years later does not set aside the covenant or the promise previously established by God and thus do away with this promise. For if the inheritance depends on the law, then no longer does it depend on a promise. But God in his grace gave it to Abraham through a promise. What then? is the purpose of the law. It was added because of the transgressions until the seed until the seed to whom the promise referred had come. The law was put into effect through angels and by a mediator. A mediator, however, does not represent just one party, but it is but God is one. So what he's saying is yeah, there's a purpose for law. But it does nothing for the promise, for the covenant. You are under covenant with God. You are under relationship with God. And guess what? Your relationship with people is different than my relationship with people. That is what covenant is. There are different kinds of contracts out there. There are different kinds of relationships out there. Now, I'm going to add another component. I actually think mainly what Paul is talking about here is oral law. This is not specifically Mosaic Ten Commandment law. And you find that because in chapter 2, verse 14, it says this. I believe that's where we're at. Okay, he says, when I saw that you were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter in front of them, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow what? Jewish customs. He's talking about a thing called oral Torah. There was Torah, and then there was this thing that was built around to buttress up against the Torah called the oral Torah which was not God-given. It was Pharisee-given, Sadducee-given. It was everything else given, and it just kept growing and growing and growing. And we, have, as Adventists, at times had followed the oral Torah theory. There is something biblical about what, where salvation comes from. But like we've talked about before, does Scripture say you need to be a vegetarian to be a Christian? No. Does Scripture say you must drop all of your jewelry before you are to become a Christian? Or to even get in the tank? Does it? 
Does Scripture say it? No. Does Scripture say, let me ask you this. Ooh, this one is, this one I'm, I'm stepping a little bit on a very fine line. Does Scripture say you need to believe in LNG White before you get in the tank? It doesn't? Does Scripture say that there are age requirements for, to get into the tank? Well, then where in the world do we get this? it's not coming from scripture where does it come from that's the question if it doesn't come from scripture where does it come from we have oral torah it is alive and well and it's being pushed from on high and it scares me And if Paul was around, he'd probably be saying the same things to our church. Now, I know that there are people, because I've heard it since I've been here, that will ask, well, what about church standards? And they will say, you know, you have these church standards. Are you going to wash them all away? No, 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 you're not washing away standards. But if you are going to equate, remember the context is, how am I part of the covenant. We all have standards. How we dress, at work, at home, how we act. We have behavioral standards. But are those standards what determine my covenant with God? That is the question. And if it doesn't come from Scripture that you hold those standards, then we better be very careful. Because I don't want to do anything that's non-scriptural. And put somebody in more bondage than before. Let's read on. Verse 21. It says this. Is the law therefore opposed to the promises of God? Absolutely not. For if law had been given that could impart life, then righteousness would certainly have come by the law. I don't know if you caught that. Has the law ever imparted life? I'm not hearing you. For if a law had been given that could impart life, then righteousness would certainly have come by the law. Has anybody been imparted life by law? No. I'm just reading what scripture says. So it doesn't matter if you're Adam or Moses or Abraham or David or anyone beyond to the last person, law does not impart life. But Scripture declares that the whole world is a prisoner of sin so that what was promised being given through faith in in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Before this faith came... We were held prisoners of the law, locked up until faith should be revealed. So the law was put in charge to lead us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. Now that faith has come, we are no longer under the supervision of the law. I guess I got to be a little bit careful here. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. 
For all of you were baptized into Christ, have, been, have clothed yourself with Christ. You are no longer, remember the context is curse, curse, curse. You are no longer under bondage. You are no longer under bondage because you are a child of God. You are not a slave. You are an heir. Say that. I am not a slave. I am an heir. So what, if you understand, even with the Ten Commandments law, if you understand what really happened in Exodus 20, before we get to the Ten Commandments, he says, I am the Lord, your God, who will deliver you from Egypt. Does he say that? What does he say? I am the Lord, your God, who delivered you from Egypt. Now, were these guys still idolatrous Israelites? Yes, they were. These were sinners. They knew very little about God by this time. And he said, I don't care. I will stick my hand into the muck and deliver you. And I already did. And so that you never go back to Egypt, here's what you do. Don't worship other gods. Don't even make idols. And he gives these Ten Commandments, these vows, and he says, I have saved you. Just don't go back. Have you ever seen somebody in an abusive relationship who has been saved by somebody? They, they actually take them out. You know, maybe while, while I'm, and I'm going to stereotype that, that the abusive relationship is, is the guy, and he goes off to work, and actually I have seen it where, where family members go and move her before he gets back from work. But sad to say, I have seen it where they go back. And that is just as bad. That actually is worse. That is worse. Because you have empowered him to say, she's going to come back no matter what. Her family took her out. But she is more loyal to being my slave than to her family. I've seen it with addictions where people are taken out of a situation where they just can't get out and they go right back in. Or what this is talking about is they trade addictions. Or, you know, you might save them out of an abusive relationship and, they're like, and we, we see that, okay, we break up, but where do they go? into another one. So you're trading slavery, one form of slavery, to another one. And that's what he's saying is, why would you trade slavery for another kind of slavery? You are free. You are free. So dance. There's so much. I, I, I don't. Um, I'm going to read the next section just because I think it's important. 
What I am saying is that as long as the heir is a child, he is no longer from a slave. This is, verse, this is 4 verse 1. Although he owns the whole estate, he is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. Because you are sons, God sent the spirit of, a son, of his son into the, our hearts, the spirit who calls Abba Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. You are no longer a slave. You are not a slave to sin, and you are not a slave to tradition. You are not a slave to oral Torah. You are free in Christ. You are in the covenant. Do you know in the book of Philippians, it says that your citizenship is where? It's in heaven. It's not going to be in heaven at the second coming. It is in heaven at this moment. And it's hard to revoke that. You are free in Christ. We'll just go to the last slide. Can you imagine? In the 1800s, after traveling thousands of miles in underground railroads, that a, a freed slave or a family of freed slaves gets to the end and gets to Canada or, or the northern parts of the states and says, I want to go back. I want to be a slave again. Or could you imagine after the Holocaust, that you get out of your concentration camp. You're one of the few that makes it out, and you say, I wish I were back. Those were good times. That's what he's saying is, don't go back. Don't trade this slavery for another slavery, because I have set you free. Let's pray. Father, how amazing is your grace. How great is your love. You have set us free, so free indeed we are. In your name we pray, amen. Yevareka Adonai Vaishmareka Ya er Adonai Panav Alecha Vichuneka Yesa Adonai Panav Alecha Yesem Lecha Shalom The Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Please give us your spirit of freedom.
We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Remember, everyone that's on the board, please stay for a few extra minutes. Happy Sabbath, everybody else.